Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. And this week's guest I'm really, really excited about. I'm always excited about my guests, but this one I am exceptionally delighted to have on the show because um, she's a long-time friend of mine and uh, a great writer and we've talked so often on Twitter about doing a podcast together and what we'll talk about and now finally I'm she's here so welcome Jessica Kantrowitz thank you hi it's good to be here yeah it's really great to have you on the show at last yeah um, um yeah um so it's and Jessica does a lot of writing she's really into the Enneagram as well um she's got her first book coming out very soon probably next year I think and you just you just finished work on it I think is that if that's right if I'm right so I we're gonna... yeah because you've been keeping us all in touch on social media about what's about the kind of journey of the book it's really exciting so um I'm excited to hear about this book and what it's about and talk about the Enneagram and just talk things with you because Jessica has loads of wisdom everyone um <laughs> Jessica is a very wise woman um, and we all love her. So, um, yeah, and you're going to love her too by the end of this episode. I'm absolutely sure about it. So, just tell us a bit about your story, Jessica. My story, my life story. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I, uh, I guess I grew up in a sort of born-again born hippie family. My dad and mom both came to faith um, through a Christian commune in Connecticut. Um, my dad had some drug problems, and uh, he sort of got clean and became a Christian at the same time. So he's from a Jewish background, but my brother and I were raised as Christians. And then I went to college and went to seminary, got a Master of Divinity, and was looking into doing some kind of ministry. Um, I did international student ministry. I did um, youth ministry, led worship, all, all kinds of different things uh, part-time. But when it came time to get a full-time job after seminary, um, the job that I took it wasn't really a good fit. Right. Uh, so about, I guess it's about... Ten years ago now, um, I quit that, and since then I've been working as a nanny, which is really fun, and also as a writer and editor. I do academic editing for yes. people writing their um, dissertations. Awesome. Yeah, and I just finished writing my first book about depression, a kind of depression that I went through, and um, what it's sort of the book that I would have liked to have myself when I was going through it and things that I've learned and lots of good readings from other authors that have been really influential to me. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, when you, when you write a book, write the book that you would like to, to read. Um, right, exactly. such good wisdom from writers. I always I say that to writers a lot. Write, write the book you'd like to read um, because... Uh, yeah, that means it'll be something that's true for you. 
and yeah um so what kind of what what's yeah i don't want to obviously go beyond boundaries but what's your kind of what's your been your experience of mental illness and depression you know, I just wrote a book about it, so <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> crossing any boundaries to ask about it. Um, well, I think I have struggled with depression long before I realized I was struggling with depression. I think um, it's always been sort of a um, a background to my life, and I think a lot of my life I've had. Um, mild depression or dysthymic depression, I think is the technical term, with some um, some periods uh, it would break out into like a major depressive episode. Um, the first time I, I think that was a really bad one was my senior year of college. Uh, and that's the first time I tried medication, but they didn't really work. And then, um, yeah. I think I've had a lot of struggles sort of trying to understand who I am, understand, um, you know, my calling in an evangelical context, and mm. I think trying to fit myself into places where I wasn't necessarily a good fit. So it's been hard to sort of tease out what at what point I was depressed because, you know, I am a person who struggles with depression and at what point it was because I was you know really stressed out because I was in a place I I wasn't supposed to be or trying to do things that you know it it wasn't really my calling in life to do yeah that's a difficult balance I struggle with that balance as well because you know I'm I have anxiety and I you know I'm highly sensitive and I can get into really low moods um if the right in the right circumstances and sometimes I don't know whether that's being sensitive and having anxiety or whether I have depression. I, I, it's very oh, difficult yeah. for me to kind of figure out whether, you know, do I have depression and, and I just keep getting episodes um, which are triggered by certain things? Or is it just that these are really difficult things to experience and stressful and can make me depressed in, in a particular context? Um, right. it's, a difficult, it's a difficult one, that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, depression can be a, a clue in helping you figure those things out if you find that there are places or, you know, jobs or communities or churches where you're, you find yourself depressed a lot and not thriving um, and you're trying or anxious a lot and you're trying to treat it with appropriate medications, it may be, you know, that it's pointing you to something that you need to change in your life. Yeah, which was certainly the case for me when I quit the ministry job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 never easy, I guess, to when you've wanted to do something and you felt like that's what you meant to be doing, and then you've pursued it, and then it kind of doesn't work, and you think, well, maybe this isn't right for me at all. This isn't what I was meant to do after all. There's a bit of grieving that goes on as well, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a process of realizing that you haven't failed at it because you're a failure and you didn't work hard enough. Mm. 
matter that, you know, you're trying to do something that's not really in your spirit or your personality to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's about getting, I guess, you need to get more in tune with your your true self. I think that's really important. My experience has been that when I'm most in tune with my true self, then I'm healthier. Um, right. You know, and it's when things throw me off that, you know, I've had experiences where something has happened out of the blue and it's just thrown me off. It's just knocked me out of sync. And then that's when I get down and I get depressed and... Um, you know and anxiety and all that just comes up again um, and those things can happen out of the blue but um, but generally yeah, it's, it's when you're in tune with most in tune with yourself that, and you trust yourself the most that, that, that you're in a you know, that, you're, that, you're, that you're confident and you're most alive and most healthy mentally I think yeah and I I I haven't, this is actually the first time I've um, talked about the book publicly other than just to friends or on social media, but um, since it's a book about depression and mental illness, I want to be very careful to always preface talking about it with saying, you know, I'm not here telling you how to get better. I'm not trying to write this book or trying to talk to you as a replacement for seeing your doctor, seeing a therapist, you know, but trying medications that you and your doctor talk about because it's really been proven that at this time the best treatment we have for medication and for mental illness is therapy and medication. Hmm. I always want to be clear that, you know, I'm talking about other things and growing as a person and we'll be talking about the Enneagram, learning more about your true self, but also if you have clinical depression, it's a health issue that you need to address first with your doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Um, <laughs> Thanks for letting me say that. I've been practicing it. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're absolutely right. And, you know, it's it's really important, actually, that people do that because um, books are great. You know, self-help books are great, courses and... Uh, and stuff and, and friends giving advice and all, all that's really really important but if you've got clinical depression you, or you think you might have you need to see a doctor and you need to get medical attention and get support medical support um, and clinical support that's really 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 important um, because that's the that's you know that's the healthiest thing to do um, because they will be able to help you properly and diagnose it properly and that's really important Yes, I mean, not to say that that's easy. <laughs> no, 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 of course it's not, no, but... Um, the right doctor and the right therapist for you and the right medication, that all... I mean, you may find someone right away that's great and find the right medication that's great, but also it may be a, a, a journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's not It's not easy. And I, I know friends who've got depression and had depression and... Hmm. you know I've been close to it myself and I know that it's not easy that process and you know owning owning that and all the all the things that that means um, it's, it's a it's challenging definitely yeah um, so I mean like writing the book has that been therapeutic for you 
Um, I think writing about it has been therapeutic, but I think I've done a lot of the writing, a lot of the therapeutic writing before I sat down to write the book. Right. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say writing in general has really helped me process my experiences and heal from them. Um, but when I was writing this book, I wanted, I mean, I was, I tell my own story too, but I also wanted to be more focused on the reader and, you know, how is what I'm talking about going to be helpful or going to make the reader feel less alone. And so I think it, it was really good to have the experience of blogging before I wrote a book. Yeah. I'd work through, um, you know, write through a lot of my experiences and then bring, when I sat down to write a book, bring the process story yeah. to the reader, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just know that there's a lot of... That I, I certainly find writing and creating things, generally, is um, is quite a therapeutic experience and quite a healing experience for me. Mm. Um, and I, I guess maybe when you get to writing a book, by that point you've gone over that material so much that it's not so much... that the, the whole kind of processing of it is almost you've done that in a way um, but, well that um, was my experience I, I imagine there's different ways of going about it <laughs> this is the first book I've written so <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah I know um, yeah oh and I know it's been it's been too long we've been waiting too long for your first book um, oh, thank you <laughs> If you don't know Jessica's writing already, please go and t- check out her website. We'll give you the, l- the link at the end. But um, and Jessica's writing is incredible. And she writes in a lot of different places. So um, And has some big supporters as well. So, um, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't recommend Jessica's writing more. Um, her poetry is just... Um, oh, wow. Um... Yeah, I remember one poem you wrote, a couple of poems that you've written recently, which have really moved me. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm just like I'm just I'm just being all complimentary to you right now. <laughs> um, but um, I don't mind. I'm not complaining. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's because I really believe in you, I, I, and I, yeah, I want more people to to know your voice and. You know, it's it's really, yeah. It's just such a you've got so much to share with people. Um, well, well that, thank you, James. I feel similarly about you and your work. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, yeah. Um, so, but I mean, yeah. In terms of, like, how do you find what what does what does the creative process do to you as a person? Hmm. Well, um, I could mention the Enneagram here. Oh, we're going to go <laughs> I, into that, yeah. <laughs> I think um, the, the kind of personality that I have, I've always had extremely 
strong feelings about everything and also the need for lots of processing about those feelings. Mm. So, um, and I'm an introvert, so I don't, I don't need a lot of time with people. Mm. don't need a lot of time externally processing. I prefer to process things in my own head. I mean, to a certain degree, I also like to talk to my friends. Um, but I think with writing, and especially this sort of creative nonfiction that I've gotten into in the past few years, yeah, um, it's a really helpful way to take those really strong feelings and those, that need to process them um, and to not only process it myself, but to find you know, themes and messages within my experience and ways that, you know, it might relate to other people and to create, you know, something that hopefully is, is a piece of art out of my experience. Don't know if that answers your question. No, it, yeah, it is. I think it does, it does different things to each of us, I think. Mm. Um, and it does depend on our personality type as well, um, very much so. Um, I'm going to get into the, and this is a great segue actually into the Enneagram. Um, and I know this is something you have a lot of knowledge of and a lot of wisdom about. And we are the same uh, type as well, I think, on the same <laughs> number on the Enneagram, um, which is going to make this really interesting. <laughs> because you can tell me about yourself and you'll be telling, and you'll probably be talking about me at the same time. So. Um, this is going to be interesting, like, but just, just, just to explain to people basically, like, what the enneagram is, for oh, those okay. who don't know, like, and then we'll go into kind of more detail about it. Okay, sure. So, um, the enneagram is a personality typing system. It's kind of similar to Myers Briggs, um, but with some significant differences. It divides people's personalities into nine basic types. Um, but there's a lot of variety even within those nine types. That There's variety with um, which wing you have. Each, each person has two wings, but one is stronger. Mm. Uh, there's variety in a lot of different ways, but the basic um, personalities are nine, and they they are just numbers. Different um, writers give different names to the nine types, but the main way of referring to them is just by number. Yeah. So I think, James, you and I are both fours, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a circle. Um, so the numbers go around in a circle and connect. So it, as fours, we have um, our wings are three and five. And the way that I understand it, I'm, I'm not an expert, um, but the way that I understand it is that everyone sort of naturally has one wing. They sort of naturally develop a wing in their 20s and 30s. And then um, later in life, when they begin to think more deeply about things and um, about themselves, they can strengthen the other wing as well. Mm. And so you have, you have different... Um, personalities type personalities to kind of draw on and the strengths of the different types yeah it's really really useful and it's scary how accurate it is um, 
you know, I read, there's a great book Richard wrote on the Enneagram, well, he's written a lot of books on the Enneagram, but um, I can't remember, it's the big, there's this big massive book he's written on the Enneagram, and, and it goes through the different types, and I, I, would, I read the chapter on the four, and it was like reading, it was like reading about myself, you know, it was like, how does he know this? How does he know, like, right. how do you know this, that I do this? This, like, nobody, I've never told anybody I do that. How do you know that I do this? <laughs> like, yeah. like and, you know, and it's like, it's, it's little things, like, you know, fours are kind of like, can be like daydreamers, so they can, mm-hmm. you know, so they can, like, you know, kind of, when they listen to music, they can go into kind of, like, you know, and you, you know, and I, I know we've talked about this, so I'm not, I'm not breaching any. It's been on Twitter, so it's not like breaching any confidence. Like that, mm. when you sometimes you put music on, you like you pretend you're performing it, like in your head, you're like performing it at a concert, and you're like, you know, you're the rock star and stuff. Like, did you get into? Because fours, fours can do that often. Like, you know, we kind of get lose ourselves in things. Yeah, um, very active imagination and fantasy life. Sometimes too active to the exclusion of reality. If we, if we don't like the reality that we're in. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And, yeah, it's... um, Yeah, I think that everybody daydreamed and everyone kind of sat back and reflected on life in a really deep way and <laughs> using, my imagina- using your imagination and stuff. But it was only like, later that I realised that, like, that's a very unique thing to my personality type. Um, oh, that's interesting. I, I just thought... Because, I don't know, I just... I think... You often think a lot of people just grow up and think, like, well, there's certain things like I do, but everyone does those, right? You know? And it's like, no, actually, not everyone does those things. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Well, that's funny. I think I don't remember having that experience. I think that for me, it was always feeling like nobody really understands what I'm trying to tell them or, you know, the way that my thoughts are working or my emotions are working yeah yeah it's um yeah fours are complex <laughs> uh you know like t- okay t- that's it i think that's a good that's a good idea like we're both fours, so just like as an example for people who are listening for the first time like and finding about the about the enneagram for the first time what tell us a bit about what a four is like um yeah well like i said our emotions are very strong, um, often overwhelmingly strong, I think, um, and we feel very identified with them. Yeah. But the other types can sort of say, be upset and then move on from it. But before, is upset about something that becomes sort of part of our life story and part of our personality that we were hurt, you know, at this, this experience Our experiences are common human experiences, 
And to me, that's, um, that's the thing that blogging really helped with. Because everything that I wrote about, there were people who were saying, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And I, I was really surprised by that because, I mean, of course, if I've thought about it, there are how many, 8 billion of us now? Nearly, yeah. <laughs> of course, some other people are going to have similar experiences to me. But I think Ford just becomes so focused on their inner world that it's hard for them to realize, you know. That's right, yeah. Common in our experiences, the universal human experience. Absolutely, that's, yeah, and as a fool, that's my experience as well. Often, I, when things when things get difficult I can internalise it a lot and and think that I'm the only one that's, 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 that's suffering and right. that nobody understands nobody will ever understand you know um, like the, some of the the, the, you know, the kind of internal voices are like you know no one will understand leave me alone nobody nobody can possibly appreciate what I'm going through you don't you don't know me you don't you know all this um, but actually, when you kind of put it out there in the world and try and get support, you realise that you're not actually alone. That other people have felt the exact same way. And um, right, yeah, yeah. And then, so healthy force when we begin to really understand ourselves and the world around us, um, since we've done all of that intense emotional work, I think it was uh, Richard Rohr who called force the deep sea divers. Uh, oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and so we we have intensely studied our own emotions and experiences and others' emotions and experiences. And then when we get healthy, we're able to sort of use that in you know creative ways, in ways that redeem our own experiences and help others to redeem their experiences. So we do have a lot of potential but we have a lot to work through first yeah 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 and as you're saying it I'm just kind of going through my own story and my <laughs> who I am and it's just so it resonates a lot um, yeah I remember um, you used to talk about being a five and I was always like geez I don't think you're a five yeah I know I remember this conversation we had I think I had it on, on social media and I was like I'm sure I'm sure I'm a five because I, I got the same score I think for, oh, really? four, for four and five yeah um, and then my third my third highest was a three okay or a six I can't remember um, it was a while ago but I remember I got the same score for four and five um, so I thought I was a five you know but uh, then I think a couple of friends of ours like said, James, you are number four. Like you literally are number four. That's like you. You're like the physical embodiment of a of a four. Yeah. <laughs> I think Miss Schweizer said that to you too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, that's right. That's who it was. And um, <laughs> but and, we're really not supposed to be telling other people what type they are, right? People need to figure that out. Yeah, so. I know. I think it's just because. I yeah. think he was so convinced that I was a four and, and I couldn't see it. And right. um, when I and again when I kind of looked again at, at fours and stuff and I thought, oh, actually, yeah, 
This is right. I am a number four. I am a four completely. I've got a five wing, which is quite strong. But um, and I see that in myself. But I kind of looked at some fives that I knew, and I thought, oh, I'm not. I'm not quite like that. Um, you know. And I looked at the fours as well, and, and did did some reading, and like, yeah, okay, I'm a four. You know. Um, and there's this yeah. there's this great account on Twitter, which is I think the Enya Dog. Um, oh, yeah. It's like the funniest Twitter account. Um, basically, like tweets reactions of what you what a certain number would do in a certain situation using dog pictures, and it's like dog gifs, and it's like it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so funny because it's so always so true. Right. Yeah. Whoever runs that has a good enneagram knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah. I'm definitely a four and with a five wing and I can see that in myself now and it's good and I you know it's actually helped me understand myself better and connect with myself more so um, yeah I actually tested as an eight when I first took the test oh um, really but um, I was living with an eight at the time I was living in a community and the woman another woman in the house who I was really close to was an eight so I think right. I was kind of trying to be like her because apes are very, um, they're a gut type. So they're, they're very sort of strong and they don't overthink things. <laughs> they're, they're focused on justice for themselves and other people. And so I think I felt like if I could be like that, life would be easier, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> And not that eight have easy lives either, but um, but when I when I told my friends, um, it was that woman who's an eight and my friend Mark who is a five. When I told them I tested as an eight, they were both like, "No, no, you're not an eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. You're definitely not an eight. Um, yeah, I know you well enough to know that. Um, yeah, it, it, it is really really helpful. Um, and there's so many resources online now to help you understand the Enneagram, like the Enneagram Institute and that kind of thing. That's a great website. There's um, tons of information, um, and it's all free. Um, and there's other there's other there's other sites out there as well which have great information on on the Enneagram. Um, the other thing I love about being a four is this kind of whole like um, rebellious nature, <laughs> like. Uh, you know what I mean kind of like um, breaking the rules kind of thing um, yeah the rules don't apply to us because we're special that's right exactly yeah <laughs> and that's a part of myself I didn't want to acknowledge for a long time but um, mm. but I kind of knew it was there but I didn't acknowledge and then when I kind of found out I was a four and then I saw that and I thought oh, yes that's me Okay, I can acknowledge this now. I can own this part of myself. Um, and that's another thing that Enneagram helps you do. It, it helps you kind of understand yourself and that it's actually okay to be as you are and that you're not, especially for a four, this is really helpful, that you're not alone, <laughs> that it's not just you that's like this, um, that other people are like this as well. And it's not an un, it's not doesn't make you weird or unnormal. It just means that you're human and that's just who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for me, 
understanding that I was a four also helps me to see um, where my areas of growth in this work um, and to see, you know, where exactly was the work that I needed to do on myself. Yeah. So, like you said, I think it's kind of, it can be kind of brutal because <laughs> it does, like, read your, read your journal to you, basically, and you're like, oh, shoot, that really is how, you know, I'm broken, the areas that I need to work on, mm. but then, then you know, and you can move forward. Yeah. And I think as well, the Enneagram can tell you about your your strengths and your weaknesses and why you might struggle with particular things as well. Um, that One of the things I saw on this Enneagram Institute website was um, they actually have a whole place, space on that site set aside for relationships and relationships between different numbers and the strengths of those relationships and the issues that will come up in those relationships and potential conflicts and all that kind of thing and it was you know actually since I since I found out about that I've had a couple of relationships with people with who who are on the Enneagram and it's actually been really really helpful um it's actually really helped us to kind of figure things out in our relationship and for them not to become issues because we we, we talked about it and done a bit of research on it beforehand and um yeah the Enneagram was just so helpful in that respect yeah is that um the Enneagram Institute.org? yes that's right yeah that's right I, I, I spent a lot of time mulling over this yeah they were quite accurate um they were quite accurate and it kind of helped break things down you know at the beginning um which made things a lot easier yeah. Uh, another four, I think you know uh, her, is Hannah Pass. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know her. Yeah, she just she just wrote a book called The Millenniagram. Oh, yes, yes. For millennials, I'm, not a, I'm a Gen Xer, and I really enjoyed the book. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm an ex, uh, an ex-genial, so, like, anyone between... Oh. Anyone between 1977 and 1983 is an ex like because oh. you're like you're not quite Generation X, but you're not quite a millennial. You're kind of in between, um, and it's a legitimate, you know, uh, group. Um, and I'm in that group. It's like the Star Wars years. I always say because <laughs> Star Wars came out in 1977, and the last and the uh, Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. So. If you were born in any, if you were born in any of those in in that time period, you're an ex-genial because you're young enough to be kind of a first adopter of tech and understand it and like you know smartphones and all that kind of thing, mobile phones. But you're also old enough to remember analog and remember what it was like before those things turned up. Um, so I'm quite proud of the fact that I'm one of those. Uh, <laughs> I don't qualify. I was born in 1974. Sorry. But I did see the first Star Wars movie in the theater. I remember it. Yeah. Oh, do you? Oh, really? You might be older yeah. than I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was four, I think, and my little brother was two. Ah, right. Oh, you're definitely a Gen X then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What were yeah. you going to say about Gen X anyway? Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> 
saying the, the title of Hannah's book is Millenniagram, which is, you know, a portmanteau of millennial and enneagram. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good book. I recommend it highly. Um, yeah, I want to read it again because, um, it, it, yeah, and I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a technically a millennial, but it really helped me for sure. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about fours, um, quite from a selfish perspective. Um, but um, I think we, what we said about fours does actually help explain how accurate the, um, the Enneagram can be. Um, and all of those, it's the same with all the numbers. Um, but let's just look at one different different per, uh, different number on the Enneagram. So let's look at, at five. Tell us a bit about fives and what they're like. Yeah, um, hmm. fives are the, let's see, they're, they're very cerebral, so they can be very cerebral. They're, um, they have similarities to four in that they're, they live a lot of their life in an inner world, um, but whereas fours, inner world has more to do with feelings and imagination. Five's inner world is more analytical, um, yeah. so they can be very intense romantic when they fall in love, I'm told. Uh, and yeah, they, I think that they are afraid of um, scarcity, like they're, they're afraid of not having enough, and so they hoard things, whether that's their time. They don't, um, you know, the, or their energy. They, they want to make sure that they don't spend more time and energy than they have to spend. Or, you know, this isn't all fives, but fives can be very, um, you know, pinching of their pennies and not want to spend a lot of money. Uh, I have a five friend who um, has a whole apartment, but he mainly just lives in his bedroom. Sort of like his... Um, did you ever watch the the Sherlock Holmes show where they talk about his mind castle? Oh yeah, Sherlock. You mean the mind palace? I forgot what what the name of that show is. It's set in modern times. Yeah, it's Sherlock. It's definitely Sherlock. It's, it's Sherlock. Um, yeah. could, he goes because yeah, because he goes. I have the yeah. It's one of my favorite shows. He when he's thinking about something, he just goes into this mind palace, like, and it's, yeah, that's what he calls it, mind, mind palace. That's it. And it's just, everything is stored in his mind, yeah. Yeah, so that's what fives are like. And they, they, um, they really like to be prepared for things, so they spend a lot of time preparing, studying, reading articles. Fives always have an article that they've read that's relevant to what you're talking about. Uh, but they never really do feel prepared and so the challenge for five is to, to step out of that of their minds and preparation and, and engage with the world mm. and trust that there will be enough you know trust that that life will catch them and they won't run out of time or energy or resources that's right yeah yeah and all the fives that I know are just like that <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, having a five wing that definitely resonates in some ways for me as well. There's some there's elements of that that resonate for me, and you know. Yeah, that makes sense. See why you um, might have thought you were a five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it, it 
It's, I think it's good that we talked about two because it just shows you the difference between the different types, and they're quite mm. and they're quite different. They're quite profound differences. They're you know they're very distinct. Um, the different types, um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's really important for people to know who don't know about the enneagram that you know there's a there's a huge difference between the different types. Right. Yeah, and you know, I've been thinking, well, my whole life I've been thinking about community, and um, particularly Christian community and what it means to be the body of Christ. And I think the Enneagram is one tool to sort of help us not only understand each other's different personalities, but understand why we need each other. Why, you know, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, that you can't say, to any part of the body, oh, we don't need you. You can't just have a world full of fours and fives, for example. <laughs> we need all the types, and we need all, you know, the different perspectives of everyone in order to be a full, um, fully functioning community. Absolutely. And to be fully functioning in, in the image of Christ, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely right. It, it, understanding each other is really really important in community and when I know coaches some coaches now who use the Enneagram um, they kind of adapt their coaching to whatever Enneagram number that person is because their way of learning and understanding may be different um, which I think is really awesome Um, and I think we need you're right we need to if we're going to be in community we need to be using tools like this to help us understand each other and so we can so we can love each other better you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah and to understand why um, you know our efforts at loving someone might be falling flat or you know yeah. we might think we're doing all the right things to care for that person but the way that they feel cared for is completely different Exactly, yeah, that's right. And you know, not everyone has to be an expert on the enneagram, but I think it's good to have a basic understanding of of the different types, and you know, and just just so that we can we can relate to each other better, and we can understand ourselves better, and look after ourselves better, and um, do self care better. It's just um, it's just a really useful tool. It is, yeah. I think some people just really don't like it or really don't like the idea of it. Yeah. I try to be respectful of that and not sort of push it on everyone. <laughs> yeah. But I found it so helpful that, you know. Yeah. I kind of want everyone else to, to know about it too. Yeah. And that's a very full thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, like when you, when you find something that you think is great and awesome, you want to tell everybody about it. Um, you think everybody has to know like <laughs> um, I know because I've done this as well so I'm not I'm not innocent in this um, so I mean just go you know we talked a lot about um, depression and talked about um, the Enneagram like has has I mean has your has any of the Enneagram actually helped you with depression and, and mental and mental illness yeah, definitely. I actually have a chapter about the Enneagram in my book um, where I talk about, uh, you know, a lot of people say that depression lies, but it's, it's sort of 
uses your own brain against you to tell you things about yourself that aren't true, but that feel really true in the moment. Hmm. Um, so I talked about how the Enneagram helps me understand my the particular things that depression was saying to me were the same particular things that I was deathly afraid were true of me. Right. So the Enneagram has like um just uh in in uh, Rito and Hudson's book, I think that might be the one you mentioned before, The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Don um Don Richard Rito and Hudson are the And it has a lot of different lists of like the lost childhood messages of the nine different types, um, the things uh, that we've sort of internalized since we were children about ourselves. Yeah. And so in my book, I talk about how um, like I had to really be aware of the messages that the lies that depression was telling me and how it's so quick with the lies that I believed about myself that were, that were I think, very specific to my Enneagram type. Mm. Although, you know, of course, there's things that depression tells to everyone. Yeah. You're worthless. And yeah, you're right. Um, and that's interesting. I think it's... I'm, I'm really... That's really exciting, actually. There's a, there's a chapter about the Enneagram in your book about depression. That's... I think that's huge. And I think... Um, and it's really interesting how that, how that how that's been connected and that how that's impacted you. Um. I think of it as um well, I, I think um, the Enneagram books mention that fours sort of feel like they have a fatal flaw. Like no matter how yeah talented we are, or you know, no matter how much we achieve in life, there's something deeply deeply wrong with us that's going to ruin our lives and make us never able to be happy. Yeah. So that, that's very much like what depression also is trying to tell us, you know, there's something wrong with you. You're never going to be loved. You're never going to be happy in this life. Hmm. I tried to sort of look at the way other types might hear that message and what does it mean, you know, to one to have a fatal flaw or to have a fatal flaw and then you know mm. you know what that message is that you're that you are hearing you need to speak truth to it to combat it yeah yeah well this is really really great um i'm really excited about this book and it's not even out yet it's not even um it's not even available yet and um i want to read it um um, does the book have a name or can you not tell us the name yet I can tell you the name I asked my editor and she said I could it's The Long Night Readings and Stories to Help You Through Depression oh. and it's just pressed she's going to be publishing it um, and we have a date set of May 19th 2020 so. awesome I'm excited already but I think it's going to be ready for pre-order in a few weeks, so. Oh, exciting! Yeah. Exciting! Yeah. I am pre-ordering. I advise everyone to pre-order. Um, 
And what, 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 what's kind of your biggest hope for the book? I, that's a really good question. I felt really alone when I was going through my worst um, depressive episode. And so my dearest hope for the book is that it will reach people and make them feel less alone. That they'll see something in the book that will make them feel like they have a friend sitting there with them and that they're not alone. Hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I, I can't tell you as much about the cover art yet, but I think it's, it's when you see it, I think it just so beautifully demonstrates that. I'm really happy about it. That's great. That, I'm, a, I'm really excited about this book. <laughs> um, you. You're, I, you're uh, such an encourager, James. I always appreciate your comments on social media. Thank you, thank you. That's really, that's really, really kind of you to say. Um, oh, yeah. So, where where can people find you on on online? Uh, I'm on Twitter. My handle there is J F Cantrowitz. My middle name is Faith. That's where the F comes from. Uh, on Instagram, as Jessica Faith Cantrowitz. The whole thing spelled out. And then I have a um, a page for my my writing on Facebook as well, which is just, I think, just the Cantrowitz writer. Awesome. Well, go and, go and check her out and say hello to Jessica on Twitter because she will reply. She will say hello. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're not, if, you're, if you're polite to her and kind to her, then she will say hello. Um, and she's if you on, and, me, I'll say, I'll, uh, my cards will come out. <laughs> <laughs> and you're very encouraging as well, I have to say. I mean, you said I was, I was encouraging, and I, you, you are also very encouraging. So, um, yeah. Thank you. I, I try to be. Yeah. Well, it definitely comes comes across. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so do do find uh, Jennifer online and Jessica online. Um, and, and when the book's available, go and pre-order it get it and read it because um i'm sure it's going to be amazing so thank you for coming on the show jessica and we will definitely have you back on the show um um definitely when the book comes out but maybe before that i think um i would love to this has been really fun yeah it has definitely it's always nice when people who come on the show are already your friends um huh. and um i've wanted to have you on the show for ages and share this share your wisdom with people so um, it's exciting to have you on um, we'll have you back for sure. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, I hope this has been really encouraging. And uh, talk to you all really soon.